0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Eat This Podcast with me, Jeremy Churfus. In this episode, I'm digging deep into tomatoes, where they came from, and how the astonishing diversity of shapes, colours and sizes of traditional tomatoes is actually a bit misleading, at least if you're a geneticist. Most people know by now that the tomato, one of the defining foods of Spanish and Italian cooking, is not native to those countries. It arrived from the Americas sometime early in the 16th century. By the late 1540s, Pietro Mattioli, an Italian botanist, was describing flat, round and ribbed tomatoes and different colours, and that raises a couple of questions. First, how did wild tomatoes, which have fruits about the size of a small cherry, how did they become the fleshy, juicy, domesticated tomato? And then, how did all the diversity that we see in the traditional tomatoes of Europe, how did that diversity come about? Well, both questions get answered in a couple of recent research papers. They looked in great detail at the DNA of hundreds of tomatoes from South America and Mexico, to trace the story of domestication, and from Europe, to look at the basis of diversity here. Now, you don't actually need to know much about the DNA and genetics to understand the story. Only that if two genomes are very different, that means that they've been separate for a very long time. The number of different mutations is a kind of clock. So, first, domestication. Wild tomatoes are found in Peru and Ecuador, and the old story was that they were domesticated there. Then they spread up to Mexico, and it was in Mexico that people selected plants with much larger fruits, which
1: found their way to Europe. We were completely confused. The original idea was we had wild tomatoes in Ecuador, and cultivated tomatoes in Ecuador, so for sure the tomatoes from Ecuador come from Ecuador, from the wild tomatoes from from Ecuador. And that is not the case. There always have been genetic evidence that something didn't fit the theory, the original theory. And now with a new hypothesis, everything fits. I am José Blanca, and I am a geneticist working in Valencia, Spain.
0: José Blanca and his colleagues are responsible for the evidence and for the new theory of tomato domestication that it fits so well. The key discovery is that there are true wild tomatoes in Mexico, and they were there long before people.
1: We have discovered that they, there are even wild tomatoes in Mexico. The wild tomatoes in Peru and Ecuador are clearly, and they are wild. They are not related with, they, they, do, they do not come from the cultivated tomato. And in Mexico, there were doubts about that for, for a long time. Uh, but we think they are truly wild.
0: How does the discovery of these Mexican um, wild tomatoes. How does that change the story?
1: Quite a bit, because we always thought that there w- was a possibility of the tomato being domesticated in Mexico. And uh, we have found out that it looks like that is not the case. Uh, it looks like there were wild tomatoes in Mexico when people arrived in there for the first time. And those look like the origin of the cultivated tomato. And that is quite surprising because the cultivated tomato, it looks like it was developed in the region between Peru and Ecuador. But the materials that they use as the base to domesticate the tomato came from Mexico. We thought that the tomatoes from Ecuador for sure came from Ecuador. But no, that is not the case. The the tomatoes used as the base of the domestication came from Mexico. That is quite surprising. The sequences of the Mexican tomato are very different from the sequences from the Peruvian and Ecuadorian tomatoes. So that means that it has passed a long time. Those Mexican tomatoes are not recent. They are quite, quite differentiated genetically. And the tomatoes in let's call it the Amazonian region of Peru and Ecuador, they are almost like Mexican tomatoes. They come from Mexico.
0: So the wild tomatoes in Mexico are very different from the wild tomatoes in Ecuador and Peru, which means they've been there a long time. But the cultivated tomatoes of Ecuador and Peru are very like the Mexican wild tomatoes, which means they only emerged relatively recently. So how did they get back from Mexico to Ecuador? Did people bring them?
1: We don't know how they came back, but we know it was a fast uh, came back. So they migrated north and that was a slow migration. There was time to create lots of new mutations. But when they came back to Peru and Ecuador, it was quite fast. The genomes are very, very similar to the genomes in Mexico. There, There has been no time to gain new mutations. First, they went north quite slowly, likely before humans arrived in there, and then they went back south very fast. So, likely with some human interventions. Maybe they came back because humans brought it there, we don't know, but it's also possible that they came with, as a weed, with maize or some other crop brought from Mexico to Peru and Ecuador. Mm -hmm. that is something that we don't know. You've got
0: this picture of enormous diversity in in the Ecuadorian, the Peruvian tomatoes. When you look at tomatoes in Europe, um, there seems to be huge diversity among the tomatoes in Europe. I mean, even if I go down to the greengrocer down here in Rome, I can get tiny little ones, I can get longer ones, I can get San Marzano types, I can get... Um, what they call costoluto, which are the very ribbed ones. It looks like there's a huge amount of diversity in Europe. Is that also the case when you look at the genetics?
1: No. The genetic diversity, it's very low. You have to take into account that the tomatoes were brought to Europe and we guess not many of them. So when they established the tomato in Italy and in Spain mainly, that... Uh, that crop in Italy and Spain maybe started with few uh, plants. And the diversity is very, very low. In general, along the the genome. Although we have found out that there are like islands of high diversity along the genome, but very few places. And these few places are related with morphology. There are places like, for instance, uh, genes related with color, fruit color or fruit size, those places are highly diverse. But otherwise, the genome has a very low diversity. That is typical of the cultivated species. So what the growers in, in Spain and Italy did is to mix, to mix the, the remaining diversity in order to create new varieties. For instance, red varieties that were big, red varieties that were uh, small, the varieties, big and small, with different colors, with pink or red, and so they mix and match uh, the, the the remaining diversity. That is quite standard when you domesticate a species or when you create new diversity. You take what is left and you mix the genes. The, the remaining diversity. This process of of, of the diversification of tomato in in Italy and Spain, we are talking about before. It's 17th and 18th century. And in the 19th century, tomato already became popular because before it was not popular at all. And when it became popular in the 19th century, then the history becomes much more tangled and complex because there are people uh, developing new varieties in England. These new varieties are exported to Spain to create an industry to export to England, back to England, but with tomatoes produced in Spain or in, in, in the Canary Islands in order to be exported to England. But the seed was, was England tomatoes. So this, the 19th century is much more complex. But before that, it was clear that there was a diversification in Italy and Spain. What is a very typical Spanish variety? In the Mediterranean region of Spain, mm-hmm. you have for instance tomatoes that uh last for a long time. They have a mutation and you get you, you collect them and they can last for months. And these are called tomato de penchar. These are very typical and very old. They have those in, in Sicily here as well, I think. Yeah yeah yeah. It's but but they are independent. They, they were created independently, we think.
0: Oh, that's interesting that that farmers in two different places selected these tomatoes that would last over the winter.
1: Oh yeah, but because they are useful,
0: yes. <laughs> but because they are useful is a very interesting answer. Because what do you think drives the development of new varieties, especially before you have scientific breeding and everything? You say, you say that the farmers had all this diversity in the genes that were affecting the the morphology, the shape. Um, So what kinds of things were they looking for?
1: I think the farmers have always looked for, at least what we see in the genes, is that they have always looked for diversity. Small tomatoes, big tomatoes, ribbed tomatoes, tomatoes without ribs, all kinds of tomatoes, really. Colors also. I think that they have always enjoyed diversity. This is what they selected, mainly without knowing what they were doing. Uh, but they were selecting for new mutants, for instance, like in the case of these tomatoes that live for, for months, and also by because sometimes the tomato crosses the different plants of different varieties. If if you grow them together, they cross, and they create new new varieties that are selected, and then in the end of the 18th century and in the 19th century, this got professionalized and systematized. And then you get many, many more varieties. It seems what you're saying is that farmers just like
0: diversity, which is the exact opposite of what scientific breeding, modern kind of production-oriented breeding is all about. Um, Is there a danger that we're losing this diversity in tomatoes?
1: The diversity in traditional species is very low. <laughs> it's quite confusing because morphologically, it looks like you have many kinds of tomatoes. But if you look at the genes, you have really few genes. You could have all the, almost, well, maybe 99% of the genetic diversity of the traditional tomato just by having 50 varieties. So I don't think we, ha- we can say that we have lost genetic diversity Maybe what we have lost is some of the old varieties that are not cultivated anymore. It should be an objective to recover some of the lost diversity and incorporate this diversity in the modern commercial breeds. And this has been done in the 20th century. Many genes from the wild species have been introgressed in the commercial varieties. The commercial varieties that are produced nowadays have higher genetic diversity than the old ones. When you looked at the genetics of all these when well, you looked at
0: twelve hundred, more than twelve hundred different varieties. There were some that were labeled traditional, but when you looked at the genetics, you discovered that they were modern. I don't quite understand how that um
1: worked out. Yeah, that it's because what you call traditional uh, you have to define a border because what is traditional? Something that has not bred by a professional. What we call traditional in, in the paper is anything that does not have the modern introgressions. Lots of genes were introgressed from the wild varieties, especially genes related with resistance to, to diseases. And those genes improve the production of the tomato a lot. But they are not supposed to be in the traditional tomatoes for sure because uh, these genes were introduced in the commercial varieties. So our surprise up to a point was that 25% of the traditional tomato, traditional in this case, it's somebody went to, to, to a traditional grower and said, Do you have seeds? He said, yeah, these seeds are traditional, these are not modern uh, tomatoes bought from a commercial seed company. What it's in, in the genome, you can find these wild introgressions related with resistant genes, and that is normal because these genes are very, very useful. Again, if you have tomatoes, they will cross, and it's quite likely that the, even the traditional growers will grow the best uh, varieties, the, the ones that behave the the, the best. Mm-hmm. I am a geneticist. For me, crossing and mixing, it's ideal because the more you cross, the best you can choose from. You, you have more diversity to choose from. So how do you feel about this um,
0: fashion for heritage, heirloom, traditional tomatoes? You find people who say, oh, these are always better than modern
1: tomatoes do you agree that they are better no not at all i think what uh, it's better is what people prefer and that it's very related with culture and with what people expect to find i think it's great that some people are devoted to culture the history of the tomato and to keep it alive i think that it's great but to think that that is superior in some sense, I do not agree with that. Not at all. I think that the what the breeders, the modern professional breeders are doing, it's very important. They are creating new varieties adapted for the new needs and for the new markets. And that should live with the old ones. And it's great that we have the old ones and people devoted to them. But... I don't think it's right to say that it's, for me, it's like a little bit snobbish, really, to say that the modern ones are all bad.
0: Jose Blanca, making sense of the puzzle of tomato diversity and how it became domesticated. What the story really needs now, he said, was some more archaeological discoveries. There are only a couple of records of tomato seeds from American sites and a few more might confirm or destroy the news story of their domestication. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Eat This Podcast. If you did, it'd be great if you could leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts, or maybe even recommend the show to a friend. As usual, I'll put more details in the show notes along with links to the two recent papers we were talking about. You can find those at eatthispodcast.com, along with the archives of hundreds of more episodes. I need to thank Blue Dot Sessions for making the music available, and also everyone who donates via eatthispodcast.com slash supporters. Much appreciated. And that's it for another episode. Till the next time, from me, Jeremy Churfas, and Eat This Podcast... Goodbye, and thanks for listening.